Let me pray before our time, and we'll jump into our sermon. God, I thank you again for this space, and I pray that you'd be here. I know your presence is here. And I pray that your, your spirit would, would speak to our hearts, that we'd feel you resonating in what you have for us this morning in terms of your word and how we talk and approach you, Father God. So bless this time. Bless these words. I pray that they're yours and not mine. Um, so that we can start this new year in a way that you, I believe, are calling us to. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. 2023. Let's go. Oh, first service was way more hyped about 2023 than y'all. It's our Jordan year, guys. 23. It's our Jordan year. January 1st, right? Which means a bunch of New Year's two-week resolutions, right? No, New Year's resolutions. A resolution is simply just, I'm saying I'm going to do something different this year than I did last year. Here are some funny ones that I found on the internet. Live my best life and only buy pants with no buttons or zippers. <laughs> Cultivate the confidence of Kanye West without the tone deafness of Kanye West. Sign up for a marathon that I bravely will not actually run. Write my own captions to my Instagram posts. I had to censor this one. Stop blaming my toots on the dog. Quit walking off with other people's pens. That's a good one. That's a good one. Couple more sayings. Most common New Year's resolution, get in shape. I choose round shape. <laughs> I was going to quit all my bad habits for the New Year, but then I remembered nobody likes a quitter. True. That is true. And lastly, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I am perfect already. Is that anyone in here? You are perfect already. No, but seriously, New Year's resolutions can be good. And if you've set one for yourself to start today, you can do it. Like, let me just encourage you in this moment. You can do it. If there's something that you see clearly that could help you benefit yourself, your, your way of life for 2023, uh, I want to encourage you. You can. You can do it. Our church, I believe, actually has a resolution. I think our church has a resolution because we are a body of believers. We are multiple people, but we're one body. And just like one person has an identity, we have an identity. We are made up of a certain group of people who have, who have a certain set of beliefs and a certain set of passions and things that God has called us specifically to, right? Like the makeup of this church is people from Delano and Watertown and Rockford and Wyzetta and Montrose, and that's unique to us. But then also, we have a heart as a church, as a church network for things like the foster and adoption uh, sphere within our community. That's something that we are passionate about. We're also passionate about young families and the children that we are upbringing in this church. This is our identity. This is our makeup as a body of believers. And just like a person has areas to grow, we as a church, too, have areas in which we need and can grow. And so the, we have a resolution, I believe, but the best part about this re resolution is I didn't pick it. Our staff didn't pick it. I believe you did. I believe our people were telling us what our resolution this year is to be. During 2022, earlier last year, we had a survey 
where we surveyed anybody and anyone and everyone in this church who, who wanted to comment on what house groups would look like, what small groups would look like in this church for us and for our people. And out of all of the results, the most profound thing that I read, the most profound thing that I saw that was that head and shoulders above everything else that our people desire and want uh, in and out of this church and out of their house group was simply to understand and to dig into God's word. How cool is that? That our people, the people that make up this church, have simply said, I want to know more. I am yearning to understand God's word better. That's us. That is our church speaking. And so this is what I think our New Year's resolution is. It's simply scripture. It's simply reading more of it. It's understanding it better. It's digging in and learning new things about who God is and who we are in relationship to him and how much he loves us. It's learning how to use tools that are going to help us understand and comprehend what God's word actually says. What an amazing resolution. And I hope you would join in on our church, taking this unofficial, what we're calling the year of the Bible, just being more intentional ourselves as a people group about opening God's word for ourselves and understanding what is being said. We actually, uh, to give a little background, we have some Bibles out here for you to purchase. And something that we have had the privilege to do over the last four years is because of the generosity of the people sitting in these chairs, we as a youth ministry for junior and senior high, senior high students have been able to gift every single student that walks through our doors with a personal study Bible of their own. So that on a Wednesday night, every single student is opening up to the same page, looking at the same study notes, learning where things are in Scripture, seeing how it all ends up and points to Jesus, and that's what we want for you. Because it's amazing to see a kid who can't even see, doesn't even know where to turn for the book of Matthew to the end of the year and how they understand and see all that God has for them and how it's not really that big of a book, but it has one simple true focus is that Jesus loves you and he came and he died for you through his son, Jesus. And so we want that same thing for you. We have a relationship with the publisher of HarperCollins who, who publishes the Zondervan Study Bible and we've shared our heart with them and they are so pumped and excited about that that they give us these study Bibles at half price. And so that's what you guys fundraise for our students, and we wanted to do the same thing for you. So those Bibles out there, if you went on Amazon or on HarperCollins' website, they're $75. We got them for 38 bucks a piece. And so if you need a new Bible, if you want another Bible, if you want to gift someone with a Bible, we have, we have those out there for you. It's, we're not making a dime. They just want, and we want, to get God's word into the hands of his people. And so... Uh, we would love for you to have those, to bring those on Sunday mornings, to open up and to understand how all this fits together and what God is saying to you and to me. And so I knew I was talking on January 1st, the first Sunday of the year, and I believe this has carried some weight. Like, what is the direction our church is going this year? And I, and I, I was excited about this topic because I think this is where God is taking us because it's what a lot of our people have said is digging into God's word. And so in my prayer time, preparing for this message, I was just asking God, what do you want me to share? Like, what do you want me to share in relation to Scripture and your word and, and what you would have for us this morning? And he led me to this passage in Matthew chapter 7. And so if you want to open with me, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 7. If you don't, that's okay. We have, um, 
it up on the screen, but I want to read these two verses for you, and we're going to unpack them this morning. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There's a lot of good in that passage, amen? It's actually all good. That is, everything in that passage is all good. But when we read this passage at face value, we might be, we might be tempted to read, ask for a Ferrari, be given a Ferrari, or seek $10,000 in Rebecca Park and stumble upon $10,000 in Rebecca Park. That has nothing to do with what this passage is saying. What this passage is talking about is our approach to God and prayer. It's talking about how we talk to God. And I believe this is what our Heavenly Father has for us today. When we begin to pursue understanding God's word, it must be coupled with prayer. They are two parts of one whole. It must, they must be done in conjunction with one another. We are about to embark on a year of reading God's word and what he wants you to know is that it cannot be done for spiritual growth without prayer, without communing and communicating with him as you journey through his word. So the big point of today is God's word, this year that we're gonna embark on, goes hand in hand with our prayer life and how we talk and ask and seek God. And so I wanna unpack this passage so that we start at the place God would have us start as we begin to learn and understand his word in more deep and intimate ways than we ever have before. And so as we look at these three truths, these three simple truths in Matthew chapter, or chapter 7, verse 7, I want to quickly just highlight a couple things that I want us to have in, in our minds as we unpack this verse. And so first is this. It's the repetition of the word will. It's used three times. It says, seek and it will be given to you. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. This is promise language. Like when you do this, it will happen. When you ask, it will be given. When you seek, you will find. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And so you can trust that. You can have confidence. When you do these things, God is going to respond. Secondly, if this is promise language, if this is God promising something to us, think about what these promises mean about our God. Ask and it will be given. That must mean he's a giving God, that he wants to give to you. Seek and you will find. It means he's not hiding. He wants to be found by you. He's not making it difficult for you to find him, to be in his presence. He's the kid when you were little playing hide and go seek and the timer ran out and was still standing out in the middle like a ding ding. Like, like, God, like God is just, he's so easily found. He wants to be easily found by you. He's not hiding. He makes it easy. And third, it says knock and the door will. It will be opened. Our God is welcoming. As you ask and seek him, you will not be met with shame and judgment, but the door is going to be opened. What a good God. Amen? 
And so as we unpack these three truths, I want you to keep this good God who keeps his promises in mind. And so let's jump in. Number one, ask and it will be given to you. Well, there's a promise here. It will be given. A giving God promises to give if you just ask. But it's hard to ask sometimes, right? Like since the beginning of time, until the end of time, it will be hard for dads to ask for directions. It's just the way it is. It's hard to ask, right? Because to pull over and to ask communicates our need for something that we don't have. It's admitting and coming to grips with the truth that we are lacking something. And so think about it. If it's hard for you to ask for help, if it's hard for you to ask for forgiveness, or to ask someone for wisdom that you don't have, it's because of the inverse of humility, which is pride. And this is the heart that we must not talk to God with. Because when you think about it, when it comes to us and God, we don't have anything and he has everything. We have nothing to offer and he has everything to give. And so when we ask, our heart's posture should be just that. Asking requires humility. Asking requires a humility of heart of coming before God. This is how we ask. It is One scholar says, in prayer, disciples should come to God in humility and awareness of need. When you go to God and ask him for things, are you understanding for yourself your need for him? Another says, humility is simply acknowledging the truth of our position as creature or the created and yielding to God his place as God. Like, Do you understand that when you come before him, who you are and who he is? When we go to God and ask for wisdom when we're weary or understanding when life is upended or when we go to God in pursuit of an answer when there is a problem, we must come before him and ask in humility, recognizing all is his. He knows all, controls all, and holds my life in his hands. It is not a give me, ask mentality, but is a ask, awareness of my need and you possess what I need mentality. It is humility. And so we come before him in humility. But remember, you can also come to him in complete confidence. Why? One, because he loves you. But two, because it says that he will give. He not only wants to, but promises to give you the wisdom you seek, the understanding you need, the solution to your problem, the blessings that he has for you simply because he loves you. It's a promise. So ask in humility, but have complete confidence when you ask because he wants to Give. Our heart's posture towards God is so important when pursuing him, when opening up his word. It means everything. And so when we pray and when we seek God in his word, we come and ask in humility. The second is seek and you will find. The promise is you will find. You will find him. And the, but the question is not necessarily how are you seeking, but what are you seeking? What we seek when it comes to prayer matters to God. When you seek, are you seeking your path forward or God's path forward? Are you seeking your solution to the problem or God's solution to the problem? When going to God in prayer about a decision that could go one of two ways, 
Is it with a heart of your wants or of God's wants? Ultimately, do you ultimately want what you want and think is best or what God wants and who actually knows what is best? I give this analogy to students, our senior high students who are going, picking colleges, right? You throw up two options, right? It's U of M or Wisconsin, you know? And they so badly want to go to the U of Minnesota. They have two options. They apply and and we pray and we pray and we pray for Minnesota. God, there's two options, but I pray for Minnesota. I pray for Minnesota. And then we only get accepted to the U of M. We're like, well, God doesn't hear prayer and he doesn't answer prayers. But what God had for you and what God wanted for you was, was, was Wisconsin. Because it's those group of people that he wanted you to be with and that's where you met your best friends for life. And out of that friend group came your wife. And then out of that friend group came your wife and then you had a family. And out of that college is where you got your job and it's how you landed where you are now. God saw that path and he saw where he wanted you to go. But in that moment, all you wanted was what you wanted. And so what we need to do is we can go to God and say, God, this is what I want. But ultimately what I want is your will. Whatever you have for me, God, I trust you. I believe and trust that you have and know what is best for my life. In relation to this passage, one scholar states, this word seek, seek and you will find, seek means to pray and to be active in pursuing God's will. When we pray, pray for what's on your heart. Pray for the outcome you desire. But we must never let that be greater than our heart's desire for God's will. A.W. Tozer said, yet for all God's good will towards us, he is unable to grant us our heart's desires until they have been reduced to one. This finding that he's talking about is his will in your life. That's what he wants you to seek and that's what he wants you to pursue. We see this in Jesus's life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus is betrayed, or the night Jesus is betrayed before he is crucified, he's talking to God, he's praying to God, and he says, he says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 35, my father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Think about that. Our Savior said, if there's any other way, God, take this, let's do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to die. He literally said it. But then he ends his prayer with, yet not as I will but as you will. He made his desire known, but his desire did not supersede his ultimate desire of God's will for him in his life. The promise here is that when you seek God and when you seek his will, that's when you will find him. It says you will find. Think about it. If it says you will find, think about how badly God then wants to be found by you. Like if he takes away all barriers and says, seek me, you will find me. Think of how, how badly he wants you to find him. That's how much he loves you. He makes it so easy. There's no hiding. There's no games. And so when you seek, seek him. Seek nothing else but him. Don't seek a version of him when you open his word that you think you'll like more or a version of him that will give you the answer that you want. Simply seek him. And when you come before him in humility and all you do is seek him, he promises you're gonna find him. It's an amazing, amazing truth. 
Third, at the end of this verse, it says, knock and the door will be opened to you. Friends, I believe that this is gonna be a year of doors opening wide open for this church. I really do. If we step into this, this digging, God's, digging into God's word, which we clearly hear you wanting and yearning for, if and when we do this, God is gonna open doors wide open in your life and in the life of our church. This term knocking, do you notice how it says ask, which leads to seeking, which is in a more intense form, which leads to knocking. This term knocking infers persistence, It infers perseverance. Disciples are to persist in prayer, confident that their father will provide whatever is best for them according to his sovereign, gracious will. When we pray, it must not just be once. When we look into God's word, it cannot just be once a year or once a month, but it must be something that we uh, engage in continually, knocking persistently on God's door. And it's not that we just pray more than once, not because the prayer didn't work or not because God didn't hear it. No, this knocking or persistence in prayer communicates to God our understanding of our continual need for him. It's us saying, I need you, God. I know that you have what I need. I know that you can bestow the peace on me which I am seeking. And so I'm going to continually come before you and ask and seek your face and your name and your good works in my life. We do this continually, not because he didn't hear, not because it didn't work, but because it communicates to him, I know I need you. Not just one time, and then we never touch it again for the rest of the year, but continually, I need you, Jesus. And think about it. When we don't pray, we communicate the exact opposite to him. When we don't pray, we communicate the exact opposite of I need you to God. Think about knocking. Think of how simple of a gesture of an act that is. It's something easy, simple, that can be done by all. And God promises that when we do, the door will be opened. Knocking is easy. A famous author, Charles Spurgeon, when talking about how easy it is to come before God, says that it's for everyone and everyone can do it. He says an uneducated man can knock, if that is all, which is required of him. A man can knock, though he may not be a philosopher. A dumb man can knock. A blind man can knock. With a palsied hand, a man may knock. The way to open heaven's gate is wonderfully simplified to those who are lowly enough, that is the humility, lowly enough to follow the Spirit's guidance to ask, seek, and knock believingly. God has not provided a salvation which can only be understood by learned men. It is, an unintended, it is intended for the ignorant, the short-witted, the dying, as well as for others. And hence, it must be as plain as knocking at a door. It's so simple, you guys. It's so easy. You want to seek God? You want to find him? He makes it as easy as possible. But we have to come before him humbly. And we have to not seek our own agenda, but him and his agenda. And that's when you and I will find him. Friends, we must pray. 
this year as we dig into God's word, we must pray. This church's heart is clearly burning. It's yearning to understand God's word and it must be so closely also nestled to prayer and to humility and hearts after God that they are equal parts of one whole this year. What I believe our Heavenly Father wants us to leave here this morning knowing is that every time we open this good book, this good book this year, that we'd come before him in prayer and ask God, what do you have for me in this book? Not what am I searching for, what do you have? This is your word to me, what do you want to say? And that we'd seek him, we'd look, we'd find him in these passages, not again our own agenda, but what he would have for us and then we're gonna find him. And we do this continually. We do this continually day in and day out, week in and week out. And he says the door is going to swing wide open. I want to open the door for you, he says. Because it will happen. It's a promise. I'll call the band up. And I want to end with this quote. It stuck with me ever since I read it. And I hope it sticks with you. I was reading this book called Barrier Order. Ordinary, and it's written by a pastor, and he was talking about the makeup of his church, the makeup of his people, the makeup of the body of believers that made up his church. And he was looking around, and he had talked to some people, and he had found, when referring to what he would call the 20-year-old Christians, people who, would call, who have called themselves Christians, who have called themselves believers for a very long time, okay? He calls them 20-year Christians. He says, we didn't have many believers who had 20 years of growth, but we had plenty of one-year-old Christians who had lived the same year 20 times. My question is that you. Did you have a moment in high school or in college where everything became real, where God revealed himself to you and you rode that wave for a year or two, but since then you haven't done any spiritual growing like you still are that spiritual one or two-year-old, although you've been a Christian for the last 20 years, my prayer for you is that this year would not be another year of that, but this year would be a full year of maturing and growing in who you are as a Christian, understanding who God is and who he is in relation to you and who you are in relation to him. This is gonna be an awesome year for our church. I believe it, but we have to, like we want to, dig in with humility and seek him and his will and knock at his door continually and doors are going to be opened for this group of people. If you've been that one Christian for 20 years, don't hear that as shame, but hear that as an encouragement that this church is a safe place for you to grow. Although you are a 20-year-old Christian, you're only going to be doing your second year of growth, let that be here. If you don't know where Matthew is in this Bible, ask someone. Let this be the place where you are asking the honest questions so that you can grow in your faith with Jesus. This is that place. This is what we have for you. This is what God has for you, man. You're going to have the best year of your life, just like they said in that video about the 21-day fast. Like When we pour in, and open our hearts and just let our hands open to what God has, not what we have. That's when he's going to blow you away. And he makes it easy. And he promises. He promises you and me that we will be given, that we will find, and doors will be opened. We're going to go into a time of communion. And for those of you who have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is a time for you to come forward or to go back and remember 
that because of Jesus, this is why we get to ask and be given and to seek and to find and to knock and the door will be opened. It's because of Jesus that we get to do this. It is because the shedding of his blood and the giving of his life that you and I have this opportunity to come before the God of the universe. We're so small and he's so big and yet he loves you and I so intimately. This is a time to remember that his son who he sent is the ultimate expression of his love for you and for me. And so we have... Uh, servers up here. We have a self-serve station in the back and we have a gluten-free option in this back. But let me pray for us as we close in worship. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. I thank you for your, your, your already stirring in our people's hearts to know you more and to understand your word and what it says. And I thank you that you want to remind us to not forget to commune with you when we do it. Because it's when we do that that the whole thing opens wide and we experience revelations of who you are and who we are and how much you love us and how big you are and how small you are, how small we are and yet you care for each and every single one of us, God. No matter what we've done, no matter, no matter where we've been, God, you came for us. You died for us in our sins, God. Thank you for that truth. I pray that this would be a year of growth. 2023, you would take the Highlands to a place we've never been before spiritually, God. I pray that we'd buy into what you have for us. I pray that we'd humbly become come before your throne, but with absolute confidence too, because we know we're gonna be given because you're a giving, loving God. Bless this time, bless this morning, bless this year. In your name I pray, amen.